The lesson is from Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquired what person on time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things into which angels look long to look. This is the word of the Lord. And so we move uh, this day from one moment in history that we remember to another as this week the, the world was and is moved by the passing of Queen Elizabeth after a 70-year reign in the monarchy there in the United Kingdom. She has been, and rightly so, been honored this week by presidents and past presidents here in our own country and by many and the man on the street and, the, uh, and in so many ways, hearts have been touched. As I begin to read articles about now in these next 10 days of mourning and transition, uh, I read about what she inherited what she inherited and what, now the conversation begins to go, what she is passing on. You see, she took on that reign uh, not because of her indelible character, though it was high. She took on that reign because she inherited it. <laughs> it was passed on to her. 
an inheritance that then she has now passed on. And the hope is that those who receive it would carry on with honor, right? But it's important to remember that an inheritance is not earned, it's just received and then honored. Today in First Peter, we are reminded of that same gift and calling that you and I have received an inheritance. It is not earned by any merit that we have accomplished. It's not by your indelible or my indelible character. It is a free gift because of the character of the one who gives it. And so we're going to examine this word as it is revealed to us in our text today of inheritance. For it will set the stage for what Peter has to offer the church, not just the churches in Asia Minor that he was speaking to directly then, but because it's the Holy Spirit speaking through him, the word that God has, this living word for us today, his church here now in Albuquerque. You know, sometimes I forget that it is not about me, right? I'm sure that never happens to you, right? I, and I, I feel like I'm that kid again when I had just learned to drive a manual transmission. And I was working at a tire shop And the tire shop owner said, hey, I need you to go pick up some parts and make a delivery and then come back. Uh, Do you drive uh, a manual? I said, sure, no problem. And then he gives me the keys to his new truck. So I hop in there. Uh, Honestly, uh, I think I'd been driving a manual for a few weeks at that point, right? So uh, I was a little more confident in my words than my actions could back up. Now, just so you know, I safely made the delivery and returned, although the owner did notice that the clutch smelt quite burnt, right, when I came back, right? Or I recall uh, on a family trip some years ago to go to a family wedding that was in uh, Queen Elizabeth's uh, rain area in the United Kingdom and I got into as a seasoned van driver for youth events they said why don't you drive the van and I got in and found it was a manual and the uh, gears there and the shift stick was on my left hand much humor ensued I can tell you right and much grinding but That's how it is sometimes when we walk in life and walk in faith. We feel like it's all about us and we got to grind. We got to get that shift into gear and it's all about us and our skill. And I feel like that even in my own Christian walk, whether it's living out uh, faithfully as a husband or a father or a friend, or pastor, 
Sometimes I feel like I just gotta, it's, it's up to me to get it into gear. But that's not the truth of the gospel. It's not the message of First Peter. Like, what makes the power of the gospel is not my ability to get it right. It is a gift that has been made right and given right by Jesus. It's an inheritance that I receive that all those in Christ, you, dear sisters and brothers, receive. An inheritance passed on to us that what we hear in today's text is imperishable, undefiable, and unfading. And then I'll take us even into verse 13 that gives us another word and just a sneak peek to the end of the sermon. And dozomin. And dozomi. That is a Greek word that I will tell you what it's translated in English at the end of the sermon, so you have to wait for it. So as first Peter writes to as Peter writes to these churches in Asia Minor, now modern-day Turkey, to encourage them. The Holy Spirit wants to encourage you today. It's not about how well you grind. It's about how well the gift that God has given is in your life. It's a word of hope. I would even call 1 Peter a discipleship manual. And as we'll soon see, this manual, this training manual, is leading us by... First, in verse 2, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. That is the decisive moment that Christ would die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. That the resurrection is a reality, not just a theory, but a historic moment that guarantees this promise. It's not our piety, but his And when Jesus calls us to be witnesses, even in these challenging times, he does so not without a plan. He does it by gifting us with this inheritance. I like how one scholar points out that this book moves from two different poles. The riches that the believers have in Christ, the inheritance, and the duties that we are called to shoulder with the implication that we can do that because of the inheritance, even in a hostile culture. So he doesn't sugarcoat the difficulties that we'll face. In verses 7 and 8, we discover that there are trials that we will face. In the context of history, we know Peter was speaking to a church not under persecution because the government had mandated it, but because of what was going on in their community, in the families. And yes, even some governing authorities, but it was this normal experience to be tested and to be unwelcome. And so as we will see in chapter 3, we'll find out what that looks like in our households. And later in chapter 2, we'll find out how it looks like in our community. 
Also in chapter two, we'll learn about how it is in relationship we're called to be to our governing authorities. Chapter three will also tell us about how we give a reason and a defense for our hope to those who challenge us. Chapter four will remind us of our need to be not grumbling, but generous in our gifting of our resources. And as we'll come to today in chapter one, and this will be in chapter two as well, we'll find out about the call to a holy living, a life dedicated to the Lord because of this great inheritance that he has given us. We have, as we'll hear in chapter five, a leadership and an authority to share it. But the wonder of this hope, as scholar Edmund Clowney put it, is that it's the same power of God that keeps our inheritance for us and also keeps us. The power is in the gift. The power is the one who sprinkled his blood for us. Or as Luther put it, our will is unimportant. God's will and choosing, choosing, choosing us are decisive. And so we're reminded that this inheritance, regardless of how hard it is in all of those areas, in our homes, in dealing with governing authorities, in our community, in knowing how to articulate and defend our faith, in our generosity, and what to do with our resources, or in the calling that God gives each of us with this inheritance, oftentimes in those areas we just feel like grinding, right? But we're reminded today that this promise is key. The power is in the hope of the gospel. And so Peter will interchange often in many ways the gift of faith and the gift of hope as we read in this book. For our inheritance is imperishable. That's the first word he gives to describe it. It is an apartheon in Greek. That inheritance can never perish. And the image we get of this never perishing inheritance comes to us throughout the scriptures. I want you to imagine for a moment God's people in the Old Testament who had been promised a, a promised land, who had been told that their descendants would be like the stars in the sky or the sand in the sea, the grains of sand in the sea, and yet... They had been placed in slavery in Egypt. And then their rescue plan brought them into the desert with very little physical hope in sight. But when the Bible talks about inheritance to God's people there, it talks about as if they had already received it that it was in their possession, it was theirs, it had been promised to them, there was a hope, and it was theirs, and as they had not yet gone into the promised land, not yet theirs. Those two realities existed at the same time because the promise given by the one who keeps his promises was there. 
And though they were delayed in the wilderness, walking through these hard days, and imagine how hard it must have been to believe that this promise would be fulfilled. God's promise would not fade. God's promise would not even be defiled by their lack of faith when they took a peek into the promised land and said, nope, those, those enemies are too big for us. I'm not going there. Maybe we could go back to Egypt, right? And yet, God's promise, despite their inability to grind through, remained. And that promise would be kept. And even after they finally saw the fruit of that promise coming into fruition as they crossed the Jordan, they would be ravaged by enemies. And when their sin would ravage them and bring them into exile, the prophet Isaiah describes the utter destruction that they were experiencing And yet, this promise would still remain. It would be undefiled by their sin yet again and unfading and imperishable. It would not be polluted. For it is His blood that saves us, not ours. Everything we have, Luther puts it like this, we have is ours because of pure mercy. His pure mercy. And when you hear this inheritance described, you get that already and not yet image even in the parable that Jesus told of the prodigal. The prodigal who would say, well, I'd like my inheritance now, thank you very much. So it was in his possession. And so he got his share of the inheritance. And what did he do? He squandered it. But even though he sinned, there was mercy. This inheritance, this promise would not be defiled. It would not be polluted in the end. It would not perish because of the generosity of mercies. The father welcomed the son back. And so God says to you and me, yes, we are called to be witnesses of this hope in all of these challenging places in the world today. Passing on the faith to our children and grandchildren. Living out as a witness to our neighbors and to our co-workers. Some of whom don't only not believe, but Don't think there's a reason for our hope and faith and demand from us to give the reason why. And that guarantee, that reason why comes from the reality of the resurrection, the promise of this inheritance. And so as we read through this discipleship manual called 1 Peter, we'll discover first and foremost that while you and I have clearly been given a calling to be an ambassador of this free gift of inheritance and to remember that we didn't earn it, we just received it. 
we received it by mercy. It's because of this inheritance, it's because of this hope that we can proclaim the good news. Jesus suffered on the cross so that we have a real ontological hope and these real challenging, testing by fire parts of life. And so when you move beyond the reading from today and start, and I hope you'll spend time in the rest of the chapter this week into verse 13, you'll hear this phrase in English. Some translators put it like this, prepare your minds for action. Other translations translate it like this, gird your loins. (laughs) And that's that Greek word I told you about, and it's, It's to be ready to take this inheritance into the world with the action of your lives. And that action is defined not by your strength or your ability to get into gear, but by proclaiming that inheritance that you've received. You are, like Queen Elizabeth was, a child of the king, given an inheritance that now you have the duty and the calling to share and live out, and so do I. And so when you feel like you're grinding and burning up, or when you feel like it's just too much, remember that what you have is a gift, and the one who gives the gift throughout all of these seasons and history with his people, his gift has been, his inheritance has been and will always be imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. We have a hope and a reason for faith guaranteed by the resurrection of Christ our Lord. Let's live out this inheritance by his grace and mercy together. Amen.